and welcome back to Real Clear with Dr. Klein, the crossroads of politics and psychology. If you would like to listen to ad-free episodes and have access to daily and weekly releases, essays, and other membership perks, and you also want to help in the production of this program, go to realclearpodcast.com and click subscribe. There are a lot of places in this world where you can put your money, and so I thank you for considering membership to realclearpodcast.com. I hope you enjoy this next episode. Good morning, everybody. October 25th, 2023. I'd like to come to you today to ask you to stop using the term woke because we need to start using the term violent revolutionary. That's what it means. Woke is a euphemism. Violent revolution is what these people are after. This is a groundswell moment. This is an emperor has no clothes moment left. If you are a classical liberal or a neoconservative, you need to stop thinking that far leftists are your friends, that you're anywhere near the same planet of political and social movement. We've just had the greatest atrocity against the Jewish state and the Jewish people since the Holocaust, and we've had tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of college students across the United States demonstrating in support of Hamas. As I've mentioned before, Black Lives Matter had an open support of Hamas brutality. They released a meme with the Hamas militant paragliding into Israel with a machine gun. And they had, and they also held rallies for all out for Palestine through the United States. So if ever there was an emperor has no clothes moment for BLM, this is that moment. That organization requires the complete absence of our support at this point. May it cease to have donations and may it dissolve. But let me get back to the main point that woke equals violent revolutionary, and BLM is certainly an extension of that in quite a vivid sense. We've just seen basically infants in college throw temper tantrums, violent temper tantrums on college campuses. And I think this makes clear that we also have such a steep crisis of the paternal and of the masculine in America that it can't be understated. We have basically infants growing up into adults without actually developing into adults. And we have no father figure, no collective ability to say no and to hold people accountable for their vile actions. We have no paternal to say, you're not doing that. We have totally scuttled the masculine in the United States. And we are left with unbridled aggression in those who would use it. Thank God there are still some hardliners left who are going to hold people accountable on college campuses. Wealthy donors are pulling funds from places like Harvard and Penn State. And I think it's clear at this point, if you want your child to be well-educated, you don't send them to an Ivy League school where they're just going to be indoctrinated and given an explosive sense of entitlement. This newest generation of college students couldn't get any more absurd. The same people who are crowing about microaggressions are attending pro-Palestine, pro-Hamas demonstrations against Israel and the barbaric atrocities that occurred to them. And when they spill out into the real world, what will happen to them? Everyone thought a decade or so ago, maybe two, two decades ago, that is, that, well, this was just some silly movement that was consigned to college campuses and things like gender studies and, you know, women's studies and so forth, and it's never really going to have any import until these people infiltrated corporations and our government and then started to show that they weren't going to contain themselves to college, that they actually brought their ideology with them out into the world. 
This may be why you have things like people on the left and certain people in the Biden administration uh, insinuating that we should take on half a million Gazan refugees at this time. Yeah, great idea. Let's take on half a million people at once who believe in total death and destruction to the Israel state and to the Jewish people and who believe that America needs to be destroyed as well. And if you don't believe me, that survey data is very well documented and demonstrated. Where is the paternal figure saying, no, we're not doing that. That's insane. Where is the village chieftain who is drawing a hard line and putting his foot down? I hope the rest of us, and I think this is actually changing. I think as much as I don't want to use the term woke, I think we have reached peak woke. And the tilt is starting to occur through all of us, not through our leaders or figureheads. We are starting to say, no, enough is enough. This is absurd. Bill Maher, who has been incredibly courageous, I hope will start to reflect on how he has enabled this ideology to take place. He has had incredibly incendiary statements against anything that is even moderately conservative in the past, and he has been the comedic enabler of this movement from its inception. I hope he has a reflection on his own stance and how it led to this, in a sense. It's all good in playing armchair quarterback and everything, fine. But you also might want to have some reflection, some sobering reflection, on how you enable the psychosis of your own side. And again I ask, where are the men in the room? Where is the patriarchy? Oh, I shouldn't say patriarchy. That's terrible and evil as a concept. And hence, no containment is allowed. And could that be why we have elected an enfeebled old man to lead our collective tribe? Is it possible that Joe Biden in office is a reflection of how we have no more use for the true paternal, for the true masculine, for the real village chieftain? Because he is enfeebled. If you don't want to see that, then you don't want to see reality. I'm going to post a video that you can find on Real Clear Politics in this episode, and I want you to watch it. It's very short, and it is a press release from President Biden and the NSC coordinator for strategic communications, John Kirby, standing near uh, Air Force One. You've got to watch this. It is striking, and it may be the most direct evidence that we have that everyone is worried about Biden's cognitive abilities, even his own cabinet. He goes through a very short interview where reporters are asking him a series of pretty easy questions. They're not trying to trip him up at all. And you have Corinne Jean-Pierre as well as John Kirby standing by, obviously looking extremely worried that Biden is talking out loud. Uh, Jean-Pierre tries to interrupt and end the interview and doesn't do so successfully. Biden kind of mutters about. Kirby looks at him with clear worry that he is talking without a teleprompter, and then whispers to somebody over his shoulder, we've got to stop this. This is stunning, stunning to watch. And I think reflects that we have absolutely no one behind the helm at a time where the nation and the world really may be careening toward geomilitary conflict. World War III has been used as a term. I don't think that this is hyperbole. Russia has 6,500 nukes. China has 1,000, and they say they'll have 5,000 within five years. Let us not forget what happened with the Cuban crisis back in the 1960s with Kennedy, where they got literally moments away from the nuclear button. This has happened before. And we have an old man who mutters about and can't be trusted by his own staff to answer simple questions. He says bizarre things, like when confronted about the IDF 
uh, evidence that the bomb that exploded in the parking lot of a hospital in Gaza was actually coming from uh, Hamas itself. He mutters to the reporter at that moment, it's that old thing, you gotta shoot straight. I mean, you cannot respond that way to that moment. And he did. What is he saying? It's that old thing, you've got to learn how to shoot straight. What is he saying? Is he saying that if the bomb went all the way over and killed Jews, there would be no problem? I mean, what is the implication? I doubt he thinks that, but that's the actual literal implication of his statement. So domestically, what are the other implications? If you've listened to me in the past, you know that I am a stickler on crime, and I am incredibly worried as to where this country is going. And we have no man at the helm, no masculine containment. We have completely demoralized our police domestically. And that thin blue line, ladies and gentlemen, is what steps between you and complete savagery. A few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, I released a report to you about these two teens. Well, one adult and one one, uh, below the age of majority in Las Vegas who videotaped themselves savagely running over a retired police officer and killing him on his bicycle. You can find them, and I'll link to this report in my show as well, in the courtroom laughing, smirking, and potentially giving the family of this man the finger. You can find the video. I'll link to it, and I'll show it to you. These are the psychopaths that are not afraid to stand up and be firm, and it takes real men to stand back up in the form of our police officers, our domestic men who aren't going to take this anymore, to stand back up against them. And yet we have a cultural movement, a social movement, that demoralize anything to do with the masculine. This is absurd. We cannot survive this way. You'll be left only with psychopaths and violent revolutionaries. And that's where we are. We're left with psychopaths and violent revolutionaries harnessing innate aggression. And we have not allowed our real men, to stand back up against them. And again, I pivot to our national cabinet as well as our administration. When you look at Joe Biden, do you think to yourself, there's a strong man who's clear of mind and who's going to lead this nation forward? When you look at John Kirby and you listen to him, do you really think that man is able to lead the NSA? The NSC, rather. And when you listen to Antony Blinken equivocating with Turkey and Israel and Hamas, do you really think that that man is able to lead us in our international affairs. Now, for another topic that is related to something aggressive for sure, it is quite clear at this point that Donald Trump is likely going to face real prison time. I was very doubtful that this would happen, but I think it is now. He is facing 91 counts, and if convicted of certain of them, could face the rest of his life in prison. That I see as unlikely. But Mark Meadows, his former chief of staff, his last chief of staff, is now testifying for the prosecution. He was granted immunity. This is stunning. In no cunning terms, Meadows will be a star witness against the former president. He is going to testify in a powerful way that Donald Trump attempted to subvert the election. This is going to result in a conviction. And the feds are cooperating, and vice versa, with the Georgia prosecution. I'm not even sure that's legal, but they're doing that. It's a giant net meant to catch a whale. This is what we have right now, a muttering, stumbling old man who is clearly declining in front of our very eyes at the most sensitive time in United States history since World War II. And then we have a sort of political fugitive who is leading the polls and likely is going to win the nomination and potentially will win the general election if he's allowed to stand in the election. And then, I don't know, 
Could he be president from prison? There's nothing constitutionally preventing that from happening. These are very odd times, folks, very odd times, and we don't have a clear path forward. And we have this newest generation coming up in college who think that microaggressions and pronouns and so forth are, and DEI initiatives are the most important thing that one can focus on. And meanwhile, China and Russia are forming an alliance against the United States, something that's never happened in the history of Western civilization. We have a Middle Eastern tinderbox that is evoking those major global power strings. And we have people walking around college campuses trying to focus on Michel Foucault and pronouns and power structures and the oppressed. We have teens running over people on video laughing about it. And then simultaneously, if they're convicted, someone's going to crow about some kind of minority oppression in the criminal justice system. And I hope the rest of us stand up clear and say things that are true even if that means calling out things to be crazy. And now, as I return to the main theme, don't use the term woke anymore. Use violent revolutionary, because that's what it is. This is really a reorganization moment. I call on you, modern liberals and modern conservatives, to realize that you are each other's brethren. You are not each other's enemy. Jethro, driving around in a rusty pickup truck in the backwoods of Georgia, who is a Nazi or a racist, is not the true boogeyman enemy anymore. It may have been the case at some point in the past, but don't allow that caricature to deter you. You are each other's brethren. You believe in democracy. You believe in constitutional rights. We have a new generation upon us who do not. They believe that they have the right to amend the Constitution to stop you from saying things they don't like. I'm not kidding about that. They believe that the First Amendment needs to be edited. So it's going to take some real containment, some real clarity on the parts of all of us to stand up for what has historically allowed the pillars of humanity to endure and remain. That's where we are. Okay, well, that was sort of cathartic for me. I uh, don't know what it was like for you, but I'll see you here soon. Thanks for listening.